the world is going through changes. Changes happening at a speed that we have never seen before. This is leading to disruption, chaos, panic, fear, hysteria, and a turbulent economy and marketplace. How do you protect your wealth in a turbulent world? How do you invest for cash flow and alternative assets to escape the rat race in times of uncertainty? How do you decentralize yourself, your family, your community, your business, and your investments to become sovereign and escape the matrix? If you are looking for strategies, tactics, and techniques to escape the rat race and matrix, you are in the right place. My name is MC Lobsher, and this is Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode and spending your most valuable resource, your time, once again with me. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Cashflow Ninja and access our free podcasts, free books, and free courses, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. I've got a fantastic show for you today. I'm joined by Dave Van Horn from PPR Capital Management. Dave, great to see you. MC, what's happening? I've been looking forward to this conversation. So uh, yeah, this this is great. Great to have you back on and uh, get, get you back on the show. For our listeners and our viewers out there, if you could just share a little bit about your background and what you're up to today. What I'm up to today. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. Uh, I guess most of my life's always revolved around real estate investing, to be quite honest. You know, I had been a contractor for like over 20 years, had been a realtor over 35 years. I'm old. I'm dating myself now, right? Um, but I was founder and executive chairman of PPR Capital Management. And that's probably the role I'm known for the most or the biggest role I had. So, you know, life's a progression. You know, you kind of start out somewhere. You know, I went to college and studied, was an accounting major and didn't like it and studied business and then Got out and couldn't get a job, MC. Imagine that. <laughs> and then went off and started my own company. You know, I worked for somebody for a while and that was grueling. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I started my own company and then I got hurt. I had accumulated a bunch of properties, though. I had probably about 20-ish. And, you know, eventually I got up to 40 places I had of my own. Um, and that enabled me, you know, when I did get hurt, I was able to stop working and then I went back into real estate full time and over the years owned a title company and had done property management, did all these things, you know, uh, had a life insurance license for a couple of times. Uh, yep. So, um, you know, when I look back, so I know a lot, a little bit about a lot of things sometimes. Um, but, you know, I guess the biggest role was uh, a commercial real estate capital raiser Um you know, I had years ago, this was pre-meetup, pre-almost the internet was just coming out. And I had started a real estate investor networking group called Ring, R-I-N-G, Real Estate Investor Networking Group. Imagine that. And, um, you know, it started out with like a dozen people at lunch. And uh, over a five, six-year period, you know, that grew to about uh, 8,000 members in our database. And we were in five states 
from Baltimore to New York. So it it really took off. And that two things came out of, you know, hosting these uh, meetings and they were like monthly meetings. And the two things that came out were the opportunity to do the note business because one of our speakers was raising capital for pools of mortgages up in New York. That came out of it. That's evolved into PPR, um, uh, capital management. And then uh, the other one was uh, raising capital. So opportunities would come to the meetings. And, uh, you know, I started out working for a company in New Jersey, raising capital for mobile home parks and storage. And and then that led into something else. And then that's when my uh, one partner, John, approached me to raise capital for the distressed mortgage space. And that was in 2007. And then PPR kind of started out, it was a little bit of an accidental business. I mean, we started out as investors and um, it was funny. We had a short sale company and that was the sign on the building and the short sale company went out of business. And this little, I'd say the office in the back with the notes took off. And, um, you know, it, next thing you know, it was a club and, you know, we were raising money from friends and family and then eventually, you know, raising private equity and it just grew and grew and to the behemoth it is today. Um, and uh, in the very beginning, we were asset managers. And then later on, uh, we shifted over to capital management today, uh, which is really our strength. And that's that's something that evolved over the years. And I guess, um, you know, I guess today, one of the things that PPR is, is a solution or an investment vehicle for people that is passive. Um, and that was one of the cool things about it. So one of the things that appealed to me about the note business, because I was doing a lot of real estate, doing a lot of different kinds of investing. And what, um, in fact, at the time, previous to that, I was trading options, right? So what was uh, you know compelling for me was the fact that I could buy these assets at a discount with a high yield, with collateral. And that was game changing for me. And then it was this cash flow without tenants concept. Yep. And it was all about optimization and leverage, really. Uh, when I think about it, uh, in the in the early days, I, you know, old Dave just thought, just work harder, work more. You know, me and my wife, for many years, we would, I remember working um, two full-time jobs, plus my investment portfolio, plus my wife worked part-time, and I had two kids. We were like ships passing in the night. We were like, yeah, if we just work harder, we'll have more, you know? And I was like, that was dumb. <laughs> Looking back, you know, it, I just hadn't uh, really thought about leverage. And I'll give you another example of that was years, a couple of years later, I was, especially when I went into the real estate business full time after I had gotten hurt, I was like, oh, we'll have multiple streams of income. I'll have the title company. We'll sell insurance. We'll sell houses. We'll do property management. You know, we'll paint your plate, like all these things. Right. And I was like, um, and I was selling about 75, 80 houses a year when I was at Remax and they were all investment properties to investors. And when I look back, I was like, that was probably one of the most short sighted thing I've ever done. Cause I had all the resources and all the tools. I could have just bought all the properties. And I was selling them to other folks. I was focused on commission instead of really building wealth at the time. Or real, you know what I mean? I, there yeah. was probably fear there that I was afraid, you know. But when I look back, I was like, "You could have," because I have a buddy. Uh, you might know Dan. Uh, Dan Butler had gotten to like yep. fifteen hundred houses 
And you might go, well, how do you get to 1,500 properties, right? Um, and then he's since sold that portfolio, and he's uh, it was funny. Um, now he's the passive guy, <laughs> which is a great a great topic for today, which is you know financial uh, independence through passive investing, or another way I'll phrase that is passive freedom, which is really the ultimate goal. And notice I didn't say passive income or passive investing. Um, that's all good and all, but I think this concept of passive freedom is where it's really at. Um, and it's really just the idea of, do you consider going more passive sooner as defined by you? And, you know, maybe you get to preservation mode uh, quicker instead of just always being in accumulation mode. Like, how do you know when you have enough? You know, when's it enough zeros in your bank account? When is it enough properties? Um, you know, I watch some uh, folks that are my age and older who have no end, no exit plan. They just keep accumulating properties, or they just keep buying properties. And they, and sometimes I'll ask them. I was like, "Well, what what are you going to do with all this? <laughs> are you going to leave this to you know that kind of thing?" And sometimes they don't have a very good answer. It's kind of not well thought out. It's just this constant treadmill that I watch, you know, and. Uh, so I think there is uh, a big difference between active investing and passive investing, even though the IRS defines passive investing as any form of real estate investing, which is totally ludicrous. Uh, if you're managing properties yourself or standing in line at Home Depot while you're picking up stuff to do a fix and flip or something. I want to take a moment to share something very important right now. Are you trying to figure out how to protect your savings from the banking collapse, which has already started, and the coming financial crisis. Most banks will fail. Deposits that are not insured by the FDIC will be lost, and there will be bank bail-ins. And this collapse in the banking system will lead to chaos in the financial system. Banks also provide loans to real estate investors. So what do you think? is going to happen to lending in the event of a banking and a financial crisis. You can be proactive and position your savings to protect it and also have access to it to use it to buy discounted assets by positioning it in your own banking system through the infinite banking concept strategy. Producers Wealth has put together a presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com where you will learn how to position capital outside of the banking system and the Wall Street casino, just like the ultra-wealthy, to protect it and create a pool of tax-free liquid capital to capitalize on the massive opportunity to buy discounted assets, which is coming. You can access the presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. I think, too, a lot of people, uh, this is a paradigm shift for people, right? Because as you mentioned, people get into that accumulation phase and they never get out of it. Yeah. And it's all just accumulating more and more and more and more and more. But it's also tied to time, their time, and then their effort, their energy, um, and it's solely dependent on them. And I mean, 
the reason why a lot of people listen to our show and they listen to shows like like us is that they want to figure out, okay, how do I get off this treadmill? How do I escape this rat race and this matrix that I'm kind of living in, right? Um, that I've now seen, but that accumulation kind of mentality and being solely dependent on you and just your time, your energy, your efforts, and so forth, what you're doing at that stage and you know, is essentially you're creating a prison for yourself, being the prisoner and the warden, escaping yeah. the other prisoner, right? And I can say that because I'm guilty of that. I did that. I did that too. I got that t-shirt um, where what you're saying is, look, you can do this, but there's a time and a place of how to use a little bit of leverage, skill sets, capabilities, networks, and capital of others. So not everything is slow, solely dependent on you, and you're moving away from that. And you might be still in accumulation phase or preservation, but it's not solely dependent on you. And I think, you know, using like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, I'm guessing like there's a way to accumulate. Uh, without being on the employee and the self-employed, but moving over to the business owner and the investor side, which could be a lot more passive and a lot more leveraged, right? Yeah, if you can figure out how to do that, right? So, you know, it's like, how do you become more passive in your business, your personal life, and with your investments? I mean, that's what it was for me. Now, I know it's different for some folks, because if you're not an accredited investor, for example, your first goal is like, how do I get to become accredited? whether that's become a high income earner or develop it through, you know, accumulating properties or something like by your net worth, it could be a business you built and sold or, or whatever that is. So it's like, how do I get to become accredited? And then at some point, you know, how do I become more passive in these areas? Because I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that uh, the more you work in the business, the less it's worth, right? That's a concept that people, struggle to grasp, you know, because we all want to feel needed. We all want to feel important. We all have big egos, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a company or you're running a company. But at some point, that doesn't make sense. You know, um, you know, I was uh, telling my grandson, who's actually 17, I was telling him that, you know, it's this passive freedom concept and it's the ultimate goal. Now, granted, it's an ideal. And for me, I, I talk about six main freedoms for me. And one is, I'll, I call it freedom of time slash commitment. And we all know what freedom of time is. But when I throw the commitment on there is like, at this stage of my life, I don't want to be overly committed. Now, you can make these freedoms your own. You can borrow mine. You can add or subtract some. So freedom of commitment is a big one. Like, I don't want to be overly committed or you know, constantly on this treadmill of having to be somewhere, you know, show up, be at all these meetings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so for me, that's real freedom when I can limit that. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, freedom of money is an obvious one. Uh, not saying money is everything you can optimize with smaller amounts of money, you can live off the grid, you know, no one's saying you have to do, but money does make life easier. Um, that's, you know, and it, it does enable you to do the things you want to do. Now, what's interesting is I've noticed a lot of people, they could be frugal in one area, but they're extravagant in areas that mean a lot to them, which is fine, right? That's their choices, right? Um, but here's a big one, freedom of responsibility. And um, I had a lot of properties. And I remember three years ago, 
my wife was me and my wife were talking and she's like, I owned four, I still had these 14 properties. And she's like, you know, if something happens to you, I don't want to run these 14 properties. And I had a property manager for probably been 20 years and property managers were great and all, but my wife's like, I just don't, I don't want to have to make those decisions. I don't want to have to deal with that. You're the nonsense. You're to me, it was, it was easy to her. It would be like a needle in her eye. So I was like, you know what, how do I juggle some things around, make things easier for my wife and my heirs uh, and be more passive and more thoughtful? And you know what? I was able to, you know, liquidate that portfolio, reposition the equity into other investments. I still get just as much cash flow. I still get just as much depreciation. The stories we tell ourselves, why we do what we've done, we're doing, or we always had been doing because we always have been doing, yep. that there are other solutions to some of that stuff that, I mean, at the end of the day, what happens when you get to a point where you have more money than you ever spend, you have more assets than you really need necessarily. So why not optimize things? Why not make things easier for your family and, and things like that? So so that was one freedom of responsibility. Now, when I sold those last 14 properties, you could just feel the weight lift off my shoulders, MC. It was like, because yep. you don't realize how much space it takes up in your head. Now, I own a lot of real estate, but it's mostly like big apartment complexes where I'm either a limited partner. There are cases where I am a general partner or a balance sheet signer kind of thing. But for the most part, I'm more of a limited partner in most, and I'm more diversified than ever, which is ironic, yep. right? Like people don't even factor that in. In the old days, all my properties were in one county outside Philadelphia, right? So if you really think about it, that's risky. Yep. That's risky. People go, no, it isn't. Now, when I look at PPR, we've purchased over 13,000 assets all throughout the country. That's diversified right. in real estate, right? Like, so it's like, I think people just don't, I mean, there's a big difference. Like if there's a problem in a county, there's over 3,000 counties. If a county starts writing weird laws or a state goes a little rogue or something, we can shift our portfolio. If you're a small investor in small town USA, you know, they get a new mayor or whatever, you know, you don't know what's going to happen there. And they all copy each other, that kind of thing. So, so that was a big one, that responsibility left. Freedom of purpose, that's a pretty obvious one. You yep. want to be able to do what you want to do and help who you want. Freedom of location was a big one for me. Um, I look at it this way. You know, we're all, all, all going to live to be 300 years old, right, MC? We're all yep. going to be like sea turtles. And But no, I wanted to maximize sunshine, daylight, you know, pleasant days, uh, not cloudy days, all, all kinds of being able to be outside, being able to exercise more, being able to have fresh food, being able to near hospitals, whatever that is, right? Being able to, you want to go fishing or boating, uh, me and my wife like kayaking and stuff. So it's whatever it is that, you know, it's different things for different people that that location may accommodate that. It could be skiing, it could be boating, it could be whatever is your thing. Um, and then the other one is freedom of relationships. And we all have a limited amount of time on this earth. So for us to be in weird relationships with weird teams in, you know, bad meetings, it's like, why? Why are we doing this? Right. And then it's um, and then you could add some of your own. Some people have a health one there. Like I, these are my main six, but some people have freedom of disease or freedom of addiction. 
You know, it could be drugs and alcohol, sex, gambling, you know, the list goes on. It could be food. It could be whatever you're, whatever you want freedom from, right? So, uh, or freedom to. So it could be different things for different people. I just recommend that people think about that um, because it's more important than just, you know, just keep accumulating stuff and keep investing and keep doing this. And that's all good and all. And I think I was fortunate enough uh, to build a business that is starting to be more of a self-managing business, especially, uh, I guess, about three years ago, me and my uh, some members on the executive team started to really look at succession planning for uh, some senior members of the team um, and to plan better, right? We have, we're going to have a multi-billion dollar company. We want to have things in place. We don't want everything revolved. It's not even prudent to have that company running, revolving around Dave, for example. That is actually not thoughtful. <laughs> That's like an episode of Succession on, on whatever it is. Now. HBO or what HBO, is it? Yeah, right, right. Like it's like, yeah. what? No, you don't want to do that. You want to, you know, we're so good at doing our investments. Why wouldn't you do good? You know, you're planning the company, you're planning the growth, you're planning the investments. Why wouldn't you plan succession as well? Um, and, you know, I was you know very fortunate. I, I brought in a, a coach um, and, you know, I've had some great coaches over the years. And one was did a lot of M&A work. He had flipped a lot of companies, uh, mergers and things. And uh, he was very helpful and then we hired a search firm. And then, you know, obviously we have the CEO we have today, Steve Meyer, who came you know, from a much larger firm. Uh, he helped grow that company. So it's very exciting um, to have a replacement that's better than you, um, which some people would struggle with. I could see that, you know, but, you know, we're going to really, you know, hopefully go places, which is cool. Right. And uh, it does free me up. I actually still help out a lot. I mean, I help out on business development and help out with uh, some other strategic things. You know, I'm chairman, executive chairman of the board. Um, so I'm still active, right? But it is uh, a much more pleasant role for me at, at my age. And it enables me to do a lot of the things that I wasn't able to do before, right? So it's, uh, you know, how do you go now? How do you go more... Uh, passive in your personal life. This is going to uh, sound interesting. I did have a coach. I was going to mention this earlier. Lewis Schiff from Birthing a Giants in New York. Um, he was pretty dialed into the Inc. 5000 years ago and things like that. But one question he talked about leverage is what is the one thing that you can leverage in the next six to 12 months that'll catapult you in your business or personal life, which is a great question. And that's what started me on the path of looking at my personal life more. Um, and a few years ago, and, and Dan Sullivan, too, with all his trilogy of books, you know, 10x is easier than 2x and the gap in the gain and who not how. Who not yep. how was probably the first one that I tackled that I enjoyed. And it started to get me to look at um, what I did was I started looking at my schedule, you know, pull out your Outlook calendar, your Google calendar. And then I had three columns, what I love to do, you know, what I hate to do. And then the stuff in the middle, which is actually the most dangerous. And I literally took my schedule and put those activities in these columns. And it's easy to, you know, the ones you hate to do, right? You're like, well, why am I in a meeting? I can't stand. Why am I in this? It has nothing to do with me. Why am I wasting my time with this or that? 
So it was yep. easy to get rid of those or delegate or elevate or whatever to get rid of some of that stuff. The middle column was actually the trickiest. Uh, and then it was like your unique ability, right? And it comes back to this 80-20 rule. 20% um, of our activity gets us 80% of the results. But I started to take that a step further. I started to do the 80-20 of the 20. Yep. I call that the 4%. And it's something like, I forget, it's like 54% or 64% of your, so 4% of your activities get you, you know, 55 to 65% of your results, right? Well, I was like, that was eye-opening to me, right? I'm like, well, then why aren't I doing all of that all the time as much as I can? And that's what kind of started me down this path of figuring out what my unique ability is. And that's something a lot of people don't always know. No. They, they just know I'm good at a lot of things. I'll give you an example of that. I had recently renovated my one home. And um, years ago, I was a painting contractor. Nobody can paint better than me, MC. <laughs> Do you think Dave, the fund manager, should be climbing on a ladder painting his house? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> like, what is it? Right? But, you know, those kind of weird ideas come into our heads. You know, I do. I there's people on this call that are probably like, well, I used to be a plumber. I'll do my own plumbing. Or, all, you know, whatever that is. And you start to go, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, why, and I was the same way. Why don't I just go make more money instead of just focusing on saving money all the time? Uh, but you got to get to a certain point to where you can uh, really start to use leverage and things. But, you know, I was talking about the 80-20 and my unique ability. Well, once I figured out my unique ability and focusing more on that and managing my time better, and then it was easier for me to replace myself. I did a lot of work in investor relations. I mean, now there's like a team of eight people there, right? I was like, great, let's get, you know. And um, But I started focusing on the unique ability of the company because years ago we were asset managers and that's at the same time that I was finding my unique ability, I was starting to focus on what's the unique ability of the company, right? And then I started to go, okay. Um, and then you start applying the 80-20 rule to your business and the 80-20 and the 4% rule to your business. And that's where PPR is going today. And what's cool about them today is they're going, you know, they've always been this like income type fund. You know, now there's talk of a growth fund and an opportunity fund and direct investments. And it's really going to be interesting to watch. Right. So that, that part's exciting. But even on the investing side, remember how I switched in my personal life to how to become more of a passive investor. Um, and a lot of it is uh, I was I was fortunate. I was able to mimic some of the things I learned at PPR, how they would do their due diligence on sponsors and due diligence on deals and things like that. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect and you never have a bad deal or a bad sponsor, but it's rare and they check a lot of boxes. I mean, a lot. Um, so I, I now what you do on an individual level is much different than if you're outlaying 20 or 30 million is much different outlay than I'm putting 50 grand with this operator, right? But I do use a lot of those same um, ideas and strategies and techniques to with diligence and things like that. But my investment strategy is pretty basic in a way. It's really short-term, mid-term, long-term, tax-advantaged, non-tax-advantaged, you know, I'm trying to offset earned income or I'm trying to use my qualified plans in vehicles that don't have tax advantages, for example. Um, so I kind of marry the money to the investment 
And then the only other piece of my strategy is I invest in what I know, which is usually real estate related, um, lending related, uh, sometimes insurance a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. Something I was licensed in, I understand well, and that's where I want to, you know, pretty much. So if you came to me with some exotic investment, which I know MC, you probably had a thousand of them on these calls. <laughs> a lot of them I might pass on, but it, it's not that I, uh, you know, don't think they're, you know, you know, compelling or, or interesting, but I just Stick with what I know uh, works and, and it's not broken. So uh, I don't have to reinvent a lot of wheels to do well. I've, I've already done well. I'm, I'm really trying to continue to do well. And a lot of mine is more about being in preservation mode. And, um, you know, I don't always need a 40% return, um, you know, to make up for lost time or anything like that. Right. So mine, uh, I'm coming from a different place maybe than some folks, but. Um, I want to acknowledge one of our sponsors. Are you ready to ride the wave of success in the booming car wash industry? Tommy's Express Car Wash is the cutting-edge brand that is revolutionizing the way we clean vehicles. Demand for top-notch, state-of-the-art tunnel car wash is skyrocketing. Institutions are diving in head-first, and the real asset investor is already a step ahead. They have a world-class operations team, and they're building a portfolio of Tommy's Express car washes that's on track to become one of the largest privately owned car wash portfolios in the United States. The margins on a stabilized Tommy's Express car wash are incredible, and accredited investors have the chance to join them on their adventure. Dave Zook, the founder and CEO of the Real Asset Investor and his team are thrilled to share opportunities like Tommy's Car Wash with accredited investors that boost your cash flow, unlocks massive tax benefits, and get you set up for a lucrative exit just a few years from now. To learn more about the opportunities offered by the Real Asset Investor, you can reach out to them at info at therealassetinvestor.com. That's info at therealassetinvestor.com. And the change is optimization here, right? The focus, you change your focus into life optimization. I think that's the big lesson here too. I mean, I was taking notes, uh, which is kind of funny as you went through the six freedoms of, I went through the exact same things, you know, where you had, you know, time, money, responsibility, purpose, location, and relationships. One of the big things for me, that really like, uh, I was chuckling as you were mentioning it. I went through the exact same experience with like, you know, one or two properties that I still had at one stage. You know, I, I started to gain a lot more freedom in all areas of my life with time and then financially. And then I still had that responsibility. And it was crazy that I had these single family <laughs> properties that was almost making no money. And they were just a pain, but taking so much like bandwidth up. Just from a just from a mental state, you know, Tony Robbins talks about that state, you know, mental state. It really like it because it's there; it's not going away. And then once, and then the same thing. I had the same kind of conclusion as as you did. I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm going passive. I'm a GP in some deals, but most of it, I'm an LP because I, now I can get to diversify my portfolio in different asset classes and niches with great sponsors. And if the goal is this freedom. 
it's a mindset. You don't have to build another business for yourself and now like go all in and and, and take away all of these other freedoms, time, you know, money, uh, responsibility, purpose, location, and relationships. So it's a it's that switch, right? Well, we're also sold a lot of myths. You know, real estate has a lot of them. Um, you know, like it takes money to make money, right? It it really doesn't. It takes some money, other people's money or something, but it doesn't always take ours. Or, or if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Or and we all know, you know, I gave the painting example, right? How ridiculous that could be. Yep. Or, uh, you know, my own boss, the four hour work week, which to me, you know, I love Tim first actually. Uh, but what's kind of, we all know that he works more than that. Like if we really think Tim Ferriss yep. works four hours a week, you're, you're ludicrous, <laughs> right? Like, and <laughs> I'll be quite honest with you, MC. It takes me more than four hours a week to manage my passive investment portfolio, though, because really, when I look at what I've become, like, um, you know, sure, I could go out and start another operating company, right? I could try to be Tony Robbins with 50 companies or something. But in reality, I'm really becoming this investment company or, you know, hopefully a family office at some point. Whereas uh, to me, that makes more sense. Um, you know, now it doesn't mean my, I have two sons. It doesn't mean they can't start an operating company or something like it doesn't mean I have to be the only one that has operating companies because I've kind of already done some of that. Now, if you have it in you and you want to go out and start another billion dollar company, then kudos to you. Go do it. I, you know, I would help you. I, you know, I, that's one of the things I enjoy the most today, helping others and consulting and speaking and writing and those kinds of things. Um, you know, they're a lot of fun for me, but a lot of these ideas, I do want to say that none of these are really my original ideas either. You know, a lot of this stuff came from, you know, whether it's Dan Sullivan or some of the various coaches I've had over the years. Um, but I was a big proponent of that, especially on the coaching side. Uh, to me, it was, you know, it was as valuable as some of the books I was reading, if not more valuable to have really good mentors and coaches and, uh, you know, hopefully you're the dumbest person in the room. And um, some people struggle with that. Some people struggle with, uh, I know I did in the beginning, I struggled with having the money to pay uh, a coach, because uh, sometimes you're putting all the money into the business or, or whatever. But there's even there's shortcuts around that there's hack, there's life hacks around all that stuff. Um, even if you don't have the money, you can usually find ways to get the mentorship and help that would help catapult you to the next level. And I, I was fortunate. I've had a lot of really good mentors and coaches and board members and things today that have really made a good impact on, on my life and, and everything, the businesses and things, you know? And you've, you took action, you learned it changed. It was a paradigm shift, you know, with each and every one of them. And then you followed through. And I think that's the, that's the big thing too. And I've always looked at, um, coaches, mentors, and even like team members, right? Whether it's a tax strategist, a CPA accountant, and whether it's a lawyer, asset protection, estate planning, it's all investments in my in my view, because there's a return on the multiple of what you put into yeah, it, it, on it's it. How do you say that? Like um I was talking with Dave Steck the other day and he's like, Yeah, I don't spend money. Everything's an investment. <laughs> I was like, but he's right. Like even if he goes and buys, I don't know, strawberries at the at Whole Foods or something, that's an investment in his health. You know, it's it, everything's he looks at it's it is it, it's an interesting way to look at things, right? Um, he doesn't really spend money, he really invests money. Um, 
which is which is which is cool. I I, I can respect some of that. Um, it's just a different uh, perspective, right? A different way of looking at some of this this stuff. But hopefully, some of this means something to some folks. Um, you know, I know we all get caught up in these myths. Another one was like um, we had a vacation home, right, MC. And it was a home that, um, you know, I bought the land, I built the home, it was in a gated community, I thought I'd own it forever. We don't own it anymore. Me and my wife said, why are we going to the same location all the time? <laughs> and I think the internet and Airbnb or whatever, VRBO, whatever, has changed the world so much. Um, I actually have a brother now who's going to sell his home and not have a home, and he's just going to go around the world. Um, and he's traveled quite a bit, um, but he's just, yeah, him and his wife are just going to, they're not going to have a home. They're just going to stay months at a time in various locations. And, um, you know, it's exciting. I'm happy for him. You know, like there was a time and place where I don't know that it was that easy to do that. You know, it was, uh, so I like this, you know, that's what I mean by passive freedoms, different things to different people. And it is an ideal um, but I think it is the ultimate uh, goal. It's just like the fire movement where people try to, I don't know, retire early or whatever they want to call that. Um, I'm not a big fan of the word retirement. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not I, either. I like to stay active and things like that. But I, I, I do like this optimization idea of how we can uh, really intentionally invest, intentionally build a company or work somewhere intentionally plan to you know retire earlier where we live matters and all these things you know what are these freedoms to you and how can you you know focus on them and i think a lot of us just get caught up in the day-to-day -day nonsense of having what everybody else thinks we should have and do and be and go you know it's funny i have family members like i'm living in a different location for a good part of the year now and and Family members are like, you are? You like you moved away? Like, why would you, you know, it's like, well, we're not trees. We can <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, but it's just yep. funny how old school thinking is um, you know, that you know, go go do what you want to do. Um, you know, you only have so much time, right? And as you get older, you have what I call the go-go years, the slow go years, and the no-go years. So use them wisely, right? So I've been very blessed and fortunate and lucky, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, hopefully that continues. But, you know, take advantage while you can and and enjoy yourself. Have the, you know, utilize. Now, that doesn't mean just go out and go crazy and be, you know, just frivolous spending. <laughs> right. Um, but I think and then the other pieces have an impact, too. I mean, that's something that's real important to me. And that's back to purpose. Um, for me, that's real important. Um, but I don't want to get on that soapbox. You know, everybody has their favorite things and things they like to do and that they're proud of. And, and, um, but I think, uh, setting things up to be able to do more of that is, is fun. And one of the things I'm doing now is having more meetings with my, my sons and my grandkids to where, you know, Hey, what does the family want to do? What does the family want to build? What does the family want to invest in? What does the family want to have an impact charity wise uh how do we continue some of the legacy of of what we've been able to build as a family that kind of thing um you know that that's important to me you know family meetings family core values those kinds of things are are, are interesting as well right so there's plenty yeah. to do it's not like um 
you know, you're not doing as much in the active business anymore or active investing. Um, but the passive investments have been great. Um, you know, I utilize some tools. I utilize some things to manage the alternative investments I have, those kinds of things. And it's it's been uh very cool. I mean, we have a lot of tools today. We have a lot of technology. There's a lot of information. Um, I'm just encouraging you that, yeah, this can be, you can do it. This could be done. In fact, if I was a high income earner, I don't know that I would do anything active. I think I would go straight to passive. Right. Like, like why? Like, why are you going so active? But I watch people do that all the time. They're like, well, you know, I make really good money in my job. And then I go start some active business that's actually worse than the job they had. I watch them do it all the time. I have seen that too. That's it's it's, it's the concept of uh, concept of creating leaving leaving that because you're doing very well financially. Maybe you enjoy what you're doing, but you feel like you're in a prison. Now you leave that, and now you're building this other prison for yourself. And it's worse. And it's I, did worse. Same, yeah. I did the same thing when I think about it. Like I worked for a guy. You know, did I was great while I worked there and all. And then I go start my own business. Well, yeah, I had, I had freedom of my schedule, but I had a twenty four hour day job. And instead of having responsibility for eight hours a day, I had responsibility 24 hours a day. Anyway, yeah. with my rental portfolio, right? It's just like, yeah. <laughs> it, why do you think people invest in office buildings? Because they're only open from nine to five. <laughs> you don't have tenants calling you in the middle of the night, right? Like, it's like, and, and that's why people invest in storage because nobody live in there, right? Like, the, right. I know. I tried all these investments. But at the end of the day, nothing's better than if there's on-site management and maintenance and you're just an outside party. You get all the benefits of cash flow and depreciation. Sure, some people are like, well, yeah, but you don't get as much upside of this or upside of that. Well, I mean, you hopefully you're successful enough in whatever it is you're doing that you don't necessarily need all that, you know, um, because it's like you said, it sucks away all your time. Um, nothing against the operators out there. I totally believe in best in class operators. Uh, love partnering with those folks. And uh, that's what enables me to do the passive things and live the passive life that I can have today. Uh, yep. You know, very rewarding. So, but even with these passive investments, that if you're doing it right and you've been successful, that will soon become your job or your family's job, you know, to build this family investment company. And to me, that's kind of the ultimate goal. But I think sometimes people don't. They they're kind of working fragmented. They're not working as a family bank. They're not working as you know. I'm sure you're aware, MC. You see it all the time. Yep. Um, and there's always room for improvement, me included. So I don't want to come out and say, you know, I'm better at all of these things than somebody else. But I encourage others to try it. I, for me, it's been very rewarding and exciting. Um, it's something I enjoy talking about as well. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of high net worth investors because, you know, we have thousands of them at PPR. And um, I still call investors and talk to investors on occasion and meet with them. Um, you know, we have a meeting coming up in Florida with our uh, high net worth investors. And, um, you know, I enjoy that because, it, you know, I can pick their brain, get ideas. I learn as much from them as they hopefully learn something from me. But you get the idea. I enjoy that because everybody's got a different strategy or you know, estate planning, legacy planning, you know, what their next is after, you know, they sold their company or their practice, those kinds of things. It always intrigues me. I, I enjoy those conversations, you know. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, Penumbra Solutions. Life settlements investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, 
but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. If you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing live settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. The password to access that webinar is Penumbra, all lowercase. The message is clear, like there's no box. So people talk about thinking outside of the box. There's no box in today's world. It's just a blank canvas. It's, I mean, the the possibilities are really endless. And then the other thing that was interesting as you, as you share your story, I was making notes here. And it, it's like, you know, it, it feels like in the beginning of your career and on your journey, and even like towards the middle and you're accelerating, a lot is the tangible assets, right? And then there becomes a moment where the shift comes to intangible, especially when you're doing it as a family. Oh, yeah. uh, it's the hardest part of it, right? It's the it's the hardest part. So, um, but yeah, I think like the big thing too for our listeners and viewers, intentionality is everything. So you start where you're at. Uh, you've listened to an incredible story here and some, the you know, the, the six freedoms. And I think the big thing is you are where you're at look at how you want your life to look like and then intentionally take the make the moves to de to design it because whether it's done by intention or not intentional you're going <laughs> you're going to end up with some sort of a life right that was designed by you intentionally or unintentionally so um this has been great dave any final uh, uh comments and then also where can folks learn more about you if they want to follow you? I know you're still uh, putting out uh, some content and blogs and so forth. And where can they stay informed of all of the many projects you're involved with? You can't reach me. I'm off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I guess I'll leave you with really think about the leverage concept. Because really when I think about you know, what catapulted me was leveraging my skill sets, leveraging other JV partners, leveraging capital. Um, and what's kind of interesting, I was able to build something really meaningful, you know, and what's kind of, and I've kind of been um, my own, became my own bank even, you know what I mean? And now today it's like, we've created our own family bank uh, where family members can borrow from the family and, you know, get their mortgage from the family. Like everything can be, you know, you can really build this into something uh, exceptional, you know, to really think about what you can leverage. Now, it's different things for different people. It could be technology, it could be education, it could be, you know, a partner, it could be all these different things we can leverage. But really think about what that could do to, you know, 10x was a great thing from Dan Sullivan, uh, because it's the concept of if you're trying to 2x your business or 2x your investments, there's probably 30 ways you could do that. If I want to 10x my business, there might be only two ways I could do that. Yep. That's going to change that whole focus component. That's why, like I said, if you can figure out what your ultimate, figure out what your unique ability is, capitalize on that, utilize that 4% rule, work backwards, like you said, be intentional, and then hopefully you can build uh, the life that you really want and hopefully get to these 
freedoms, whatever that is for you, sooner rather than later. Um, because that's the ultimate goal to be with who you want, where you want, when you want, how you want. That's the ultimate. It's not all the things, you know, it's really more about the experiences and things like that than it is a bunch of gadgets. <laughs> so, so I'll leave you with that. Now, easiest way to get with, to me is probably through, um, you can go to pprcapitalmgmt.com. You can always uh, connect with us there. I'm also on Bigger Pockets a lot if you have a question or anything, or on LinkedIn. Um, so people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And uh, nah, it's a pleasure, MC. I always enjoy being on. Uh, yeah, no, I thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And you always provide so much value for all my listeners and viewers and incredible insights uh, and knowledge. So appreciate appreciate you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, MC. And thank you to all of my listeners and my viewers for again spending your most valuable resource your time with me. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything going on at Cashflow Ninja and get access to all of our free podcasts, free books, and free courses, you can subscribe to our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. Until next time, live infinitely. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.